Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, lovely ladies. I trust that you are walking in the joy of the Lord in your home. Well, maybe you're not. Maybe you're going through a bit of a tough time. Well, I am here to encourage you today. That's what these podcasts are all about, to encourage you as a wife and mother. So I trust you'll be encouraged again today. Don't forget to tell other mothers and other friends about this podcast because every mother needs encouraging. And we need one another. And uh, so let them know about it so they can be encouraged too. Now I'd like to begin again today with a lovely poem. I actually posted this on Facebook uh, on my Above Ruby's page. And uh, I think it's a very powerful poem. And it says... I ran into a stranger as he passed by. Oh, excuse me, please, was my reply. He said, please excuse me too. I wasn't watching for you. We were very polite, the stranger and I. We went on our way and we said goodbye. But at home, a different story is told. How we treat our loved ones, young and old. Later that day, cooking the evening meal, my son stood beside me, very still. When I turned, I nearly knocked him down. Move out of the way, I said with a frown. He walked away, his little heart broken. I didn't realize how harshly I'd spoken. While I lay awake in bed that night, God's still small voice came to me and said, while dealing with a stranger, common courtesy you use. But the family you love, you seem to abuse. Go and look on the kitchen floor. You'll find some flowers there by the door. Those are the flowers he brought for you. He picked them himself. Pink, yellow and blue. He stood very quietly not to spoil the surprise. You never saw the tears that filled his little eyes. By this time I felt very small, and now my tears began to fall. I quietly went and knelt by his bed. Wake up, little one, wake up, I said. Are these the flowers you picked for me? He smiled. I found them out by the tree. I picked them because they're pretty like you. I knew you'd like him, especially the blue. I said, son, I'm very sorry for the way I acted today. I shouldn't have yelled at you that way. He said, oh, mum, that's okay. I love you anyway. I said, son, I love you too. And I do love the flowers, especially the blue. Isn't that so true? We can be so quick and so terse and 
just so indifferent to our loved ones around us. May God help us to remember that our words have such power. They, they have the power to, to bring death. They have power to give life. We all know the scripture in Proverbs 19.21 where it says uh, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Every time we open our mouths, we either speak life or we speak death. And uh, so we need to be encouraged, don't we? Thinking about the power of our words, uh, I think of a, a word that we most probably all use every single day of our lives. And that's what we call our children. I think the most common word that parents and people call children today is the word kids. We talk about our kids. We call our children kids. Well, I don't use that word anymore. And I stopped using that word years and years ago. Well, I started off using it when I started raising our family. And I really didn't like the word. It was just coming into vogue when I started raising our children. And I fell in with the vogue, fell in with just what everybody does. Isn't it amazing how we can be victims of the system? We just do what everybody else does. We say what everybody else says. And so I also called my children that word and got into the habit. We... I began our life of raising our children in New Zealand because I'm originally a New Zealander, although now a U.S. citizen. But later we moved to Australia. And it was when we were in Australia that I read an article about a sheep farmer in New Zealand. Now, New Zealand is a sheep country. And many years ago... Um, I think we don't have so many today, but back in the prime, New Zealand had about 50 million sheep and only three or four million people. And I was very familiar with sheep because my father was a sheep man. Uh, he was the one who designed the way that shearing sheep is done across the world. It's called the Bowen Technique. And he was the fastest shearer uh, in the world in his day. He has since passed away. And uh, so I knew lots about sheep. And uh, anyway, I read this article, and it was about the sheep farmer in New Zealand. And he said that he had diversified into farming goats. But he noticed a difference in the way the goats mothered. He noticed that the goats mothered their little kids differently than the sheep. He, he noticed that the goats would herd their little kids and, you know, together and off they'd go foraging for hours, leaving their little kids. And he was very surprised by this because he noticed that the sheep were always with their little lambs. Now, as I read those words, something clicked in my brain. 
And I thought, wow, this is interesting. But before I got carried away with my thoughts, I thought I'd better check it out. Check out if it's really true. So I went to my father. I felt that he would be someone very knowledgeable on this. And seeing he had shown about a million sheep in his lifetime and really knew about sheep, I said to him, is this true? He said, yes, it is true, Nancy, about the goats. And also, sheep, a you, E-W-E, a mother, you, will never, ever go any further than earshot from her little lambs. And I, I thought as I realized this, is this why we call our children kids today? We have become a goat-mothering society. Now, this is what so many mothers are doing today. They gather up their little children and they drop them off at daycare and at school and everywhere. And uh, they're dropping off their little children for the day while they go out to their career or their job and do their thing. Now, that is goat mothering. Now, the word kids was not originally in the dictionary to mean the word for children. Go back to Webster's 1828 dictionary and you will not find it there. Of course, it is now in our dictionaries today as we have continued to add so many new words and, of course, many humanistic words to our dictionary. And this is one of them. And, and this is a word that now just fits in a, with our society of goat mothers who, well, leave their children and then they come back to them later on in the day. Now, I have actually experienced this with my um, own eyes. I remember going back to New Zealand and of course I have been back so many times since originally leaving. One time I was walking around the fields with my father and he was checking out the sheep as a real shepherd does. He's always watching over the sheep and it was lambing time, springtime and uh, so he was checking out the lambs. In fact something he said to me, he said, oh Nancy if the ewes are in good health we have no problem with the lambs. They just birth their babies. We come out and we find the little lambs are born and they're all safe and they're all wonderful. It's only when the ewes are in bad shape and they haven't been on good grass that we have problems with the birthing and we have to go and help them pull out their little lambs and, and we have little babies that die. I thought that was an interesting statement too. Uh, and I think if that's true in the animal world, I'm sure it is true in the human world that the more healthy the mother is, the better she will um, enjoy her birth and have a more uh, natural birth without intervention and be more able to give birth. And so I think it is very important that we as mothers childbearing mothers, of course, that you do look after your health. Dear lovely mothers who are all in your childbearing years, please look after your health, eat wholesome foods, throw away the junk, 
all the white flour. I hope you don't have white flour in your pantry. And I hope you don't have white sugar. I mean, that is a poison. It's known to be a poison and it destroys the B vitamins in your body. And you as a mother, you need all the nutrients you can have because you have a huge job. As you mother your children, you nurse your babies and you give birth. I mean, your body was created for this task, but you are meant to be in good shape. And maybe you're listening to me and you notice my voice. I do have a little cold at the moment and um, that's not good. But anyway, I'll get rid of it. I always say things come and things go. But I do feel that it is important for us, all of us, and especially you lovely childbearing mums, that you keep up your immune system and uh, you don't eat the junk foods and all the white processed foods and all the packaged foods, but you keep to good, wholesome foods um, out of your garden if you can and lots of vegetables and fruit and you just don't fill your pantry with all this other junk. In fact, when I go to the uh, to the grocery shop, I, I rarely ever go down any aisles with uh, all the packaged food and the tinned food. There's hardly a thing that I get from those aisles. Um, a certain few basic things that are healthy, but rarely. And, and I don't even go looking because you can be tempted by this and that. In fact, I can get my groceries very quickly. I know what I want and I whiz down those aisles and I get what I want, mainly in the, um, you know, maybe frozen section and in the fruits and vegetables section and just one or two other things and I just get them and I'm out of there. And uh, I don't like to be just tempted by all these other things and Actually, when you get home and you have time to read the ingredients, wow, you can't even read half those words. And if you can't read those words, they'll be bad for you. And uh, often they are cancer-forming. And uh, often you'll read, oh, just um, fructose, corn syrup, and all those kind of words. That, look, if you see corn syrup there on the ingredients, just throw it back on the shelf never buy it. it. It's just not good for you at all. In fact, you don't want anything with sugar in your house. I just don't have it and I haven't had it for years and years and years. So anyway, uh, that was a little buy uh, thing about the healthy sheep and how when they're healthy, they just give birth to their lambs. No problem. But also my father said to me, he said, Nancy, the sheep will never go any more than earshot away from their little lambs. That's sheep mothering, ladies. And so we have to decide who are we? Are we a sheep mother or are we a goat mother? Now, when I realized this, I thought, oh my, I don't want to be part of the goat mothering company. So I'm going to get rid of that word kids. And so I just made a point 
in my mind that I would not use that word again. And I haven't used it for years and years and years. And I'm glad to have it out of my vocabulary because I believe when we uh, speak that word, every word has power, and we are speaking into our precious children the character of the goat. Now, the goats have a different character than the sheep. Now, of all the animals in the whole of the world, what animal did God choose to call us his people? He chose the sheep. Isn't that amazing? Of all the animals God made, why did he choose sheep? to call us his sheep. Oh my, I haven't got time to tell you everything today. There's so much. You can go onto my webpage and I, I think I have a, um, a title of articles called Sheep and Shepherding. And there's a number of articles there that you can read uh, that talk about shepherding um, and how we as mothers are shepherding mothers. And we also are meant to be sheep. And, and sheep are very, very uh, submissive animals and uh, opposite to the goats. The goats are independent and they are proud and they are destructive. I wonder if you have ever, ever had a goat. Some of you may, have, may farm goats, but I remember when we grew up, uh, we had a pet goat. It was my brother's goat. And he called her Jilly. He had this goat for years and years and years. And I don't know why we kept it, because this goat was always getting us, us into trouble with the neighbors. We were the most unpopular neighbors because of this goat. But somehow my father had a soft spot for my brother, and he just didn't want to hurt him. And, and he kept this goat. Well, this goat, it would get into the neighbor's gardens. And it, it would eat their beautiful trees. And it would even tear the clothes off their clotheslines. Oh, goodness me, you can't believe how destructive goats are. And goats will eat anything. They eat the shrubs and they, they'll just eat anything they see. They, they don't care what it is. Where's the sheep? Oh, they will only eat the fresh, tender grass. And also they need a shepherd to look after them because if they get stuck in a thorn bush or something happens to them, they don't know how to look after themselves. They don't know how to get out of a problem. I can remember walking through the fields with my father <coughs> and there was a sheep. It was stuck in a thorn bush and my father said, come on, Nance. We've got to get this sheep out of here. Come on, help me pull it out. Because that sheep was stuck. It didn't know how to get out. And so we had to pull it out. And when we got it out, it just got up on its four legs and off it trotted away. And it was fine. But if the shepherd had not come along, if we hadn't come along, that sheep would have stayed there till it died. And so sheep need a shepherd. And so these are some of the reasons why 
we are called sheep. Another reason is that sheep always want to gather in a flock. We are also not only called sheep, we are called God's flock. We are the sheep of his pasture, the flock of his pasture. And he wants us to be together. God wants us as a flock. He doesn't want us to be independent like the goat. And uh, the goat not only is very independent and destructive, but proud. And they always want the highest place. We used to keep our goat out in our back paddock. Paddock, it's not an American word, but it's a field or, you know, a grass, grassy place. And uh, it used to be out there. Of course, it was always getting through the fence and jumping the fence or getting out to the neighbors or doing something. In fact, we used, there were times when my mother would come into my brother's room and find this goat lying on my brother's bed. This goat could get anywhere. Well, usually, though, you could look out into the paddock or the field and the goat would be standing on the highest place in the field. If there was some little um, sort of thing that it could stand on, well, it would get up and stand on it because that's what they want to be, top dog, want to be in the highest place. And uh, so what are we speaking into our children when we call them kids? Not only are we aligning with the goat mothers, but we are speaking that character into our children. I believe God wants us to speak his character into our children. And uh, the sheep, the little ones, are called lambs. There was a time when mothers used to call their little children <coughs> they would call them lemmikins or little lammies until the word kids came into vogue. And really, it's a much nicer word. Somehow, have you noticed that it's very easy to yell at kids? Oh, you stupid kids, what are you doing? Somehow, you can yell at them. Have you ever tried to yell at lambs? You stupid lambs! No, it, it doesn't work. You, you don't, those words don't go together. Because when you speak the word lambs, it brings a tenderness, it brings a softness. But more than all these things, um, we really need to go to the Word of God. And that's what really got me kind of convicted. And uh, let's see, we go to, um, let's go. Did I bring my Bible? You know what? I didn't even bring my Bible to my podcast. I can't even believe it. This is unbelievable. But I think I have it written down here. I usually can't even talk to you without my Bible in my hand. Yes, but here I have. I've written it down. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Actually, it'd be good to read the whole passage sometime uh, later after you've been listening to this podcast. 
but I'll just read you these words. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as the shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous, the sheep, into life eternal. And so we see in this scripture how there is coming a day when God is going to separate the goats from the sheep. Because if we go to the Middle East, the Middle Eastern shepherd often has goats and sheep together. In fact, mostly they will have a little flock of goats and sheep. And I have been to Israel many times and looked out and seen the Bedouin shepherd with his little flock of goats and sheep following on behind them. That's a typical Middle Eastern scene, a typical biblical scene. And he always goes out in front of his sheep. He leads his sheep. And that's the Bible picture. It is a little different than the way we shepherd in New Zealand, where we have huge flocks of sheep and thousands and thousands of sheep. And uh, the shepherds have to go out on their horses to round up all the sheep and bring them in for shearing and for dipping and for uh, branding and so on. But the Middle Eastern shepherd, he just has a little flock. And as you look out, because you're not right up close, you can't tell the difference between the goats and the sheep because the goats over there, they're a little bit more hairy. And uh, unless you were right up close, you, you couldn't really tell the difference. And so God is speaking here and he said, <coughs> the goats and the sheep, they're all together. And often people don't notice so much the difference. In fact, growing up in the church, there are sheep and goats. But at the end time, God is going to separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep go to eternal life, the goats to everlasting punishment. It, he, God uses many different uh, illustrations. He uses the tares and the wheat. The wheat is growing up, but along with the wheat, the tares are growing up with it. They're not the wheat, but they look a little bit like the wheat. In fact, in one of Jesus' parables, they said, why don't we pull out these tares and get rid of them? Jesus said, no, if you pull them out now, you'll, you'll upset the wheat and destroy them too. Wait till the end of time and I will separate them. He also talks about the separating of the good fish and the bad fish. So uh, throughout the New Testament, there's these stories of how there are the good and the bad together and uh, often the bad is not too bad because it looks pretty much like the good. But at the end time, God is going to separate. Now, I want to be part of the right company. 
And uh, so I thought, okay, I'm just not having anything to do with the goat company. So I will get rid of that word kids. Now, here's another scripture back in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 34, 17. Now then, my flock, I, the sovereign Lord, tell you that I will judge each of you and separate the good from the bad, the sheep from the goats. Uh so, in Zechariah 10, verse 3, I punished the goats, for the Lord of hosts hath visited his flock. So, there's a day coming when God visits and does this separation. So, anyway, that's my reasons, lovely ladies, why I decided to kick that habit I wonder, do you want to do that with me? Maybe you could just talk about it with your friends and say, hey, why, why don't we just try and help one another? And when we hear each other saying and calling our children kids, well, we can say, hey, why don't we call them children or something else? Because sometimes we do need help to just knock a habit. And really it is. It all it is is just a habit that we've got into because that's what everybody else calls them. But we don't have to be like everybody else, do we? Now, one of the good things about sheep I mentioned before, and that is that they, they love to be together. They are a flock, and God loves us also to be together. He loves us to be together as families. And uh, he loves us to be together as God's people. He, he says, I want you to come together and not forsake the assembling of yourselves with one another. God loves that togetherness because we are a flock. But that good point of wanting togetherness, and remember, that's the opposite to the goats who want independence. So do remember in our families, lovely ladies, as we are building godly families, remember that togetherness is how we build. And I often think, you know, when we're deciding, well, what should we do about this? Or what should we do about that? One of the ways you can make a good and wise decision is to say, will this keep our family together? If it's something that will keep your family together, do it. It's a good thing because that's what God loves. He loves togetherness. He wants us to be a flock. We are mothers of our little flock. But if this thing that you're thinking about doing or someone is getting trying to get you to do it or you're feeling pressure from people to do it or even from society to do it, if it's something that's going to fragment your family or cause your family to go in all different directions, I would say don't do it. The wise decision is to make the decision that keeps your family together. The foolish decision is to go ahead with that which will fragment your family. We often find that just in a little practical way, we face this 
at our family meal tables. Oh, Satan doesn't want us to sit together around our tables as families. He doesn't want that. Goodness me, that's just too much of familiness. And he doesn't want familiness, but God wants it. That's the picture he gives of a family. The mother in the home and the children all sitting around the table. That's the picture of Psalm 128 verse 3. But the devil doesn't like it. And he's going to try and stop you from doing it. There'll be so many things. Oh, goodness me. I think you could count 10 things on your fingers now of things that are going to pull you away from sitting together as a family every evening and even for breakfast and and the meals in your home. Um, But you've got to watch out. This is why we have to be strong as mothers. Look, to be a great mother, you can't be wimpy. You can't just let people take over. You can't let society just take over what you're going to do. You decide what is best for your family and you do it no matter what. And we have to make the wise decisions and the right decisions. But this wonderful positive thing about sheep and being a flock that they want to be together can also have a very negative uh, situation too. Let me just end with this story. Uh, I read just recently um, how years and years ago, 2005, the BBC announced a story on their media program of 400 sheep in East Turkey that all fell over a cliff to their destruction. Can you imagine 400 sheep all falling over a cliff? I mean, you can imagine one having to fall over a cliff, but how come 400 Well, that wasn't even the end of the story because it wasn't only 400 that fell. It was another 1,100. It was a flock of 1,500 sheep and every single sheep fell over that cliff. Now, the 1,100, actually, they were able to save because when they fell over, uh, their fall was cushioned by the sheep that were already uh, had fallen to their destruction. So, dear ladies, how come 1,500 sheep all fell over the cliff? I'll tell you why. Because sheep are followers. Sheep follow one another. Sheep become victims of what all the other sheep are doing. And did you know that we, because we're sheep, and God knows we are sheep, we are also prone to do that. That's why in John chapter 10, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and they run from the stranger. We've got to be sheep who are so sharp and so close to our shepherd that we hear his voice and we'll go the right way. Because if we get away from the shepherd, then we start listening to the voices of the strangers, the alien, 
society around us, then we can start going the wrong way. So what happened here is most probably one of those sheep was getting close to the edge of a cliff. He didn't realize it, but he was getting close and he just fell over. These sheep didn't all fall over together. No, one by one. But you see, because the sheep are a flock, they are close. And the next sheep, oh, he just goes and looks to see what happened to his poor sheep that he was next to. Oh, he's over the cliff. And the next one, it just comes in over the cliff. And so the sheep, because there's 1,500 of them, they're way, way up there. But they're gravitating to that cliff, not knowing they're gravitating to destruction. But they're following each other. Don't even realize where they're going. So that in the end, they were all over the cliff. Now, my husband has told me a very similar story because although I was the daughter of the world champion sheep shearer in his day, my husband was also part of a sheep farming family. They also farmed cows. They were dairy farming, but they were sheep farming as well. And when they had this big sheep farm way out in Waitotra in New Zealand, my husband told of how it was amazing how if one little sheep found a hole in the fence, that eventually all the sheep would get through that hole. And so the sheep can be grazing on the hillside, eating the beautiful green grass that grows in New Zealand. And one little sheep finds a hole in the fence and goes through into the next paddock or you would say pasture or field. And the other sheep are way, way out there on the hillside because we have thousands of sheep in New Zealand in a flock. They have no clue what's happening to that little sheep. But because they're together, because they're a flock, they are gravitating slowly, little by little, toward that hole in the fence. It may even take a day, or even two or three days, depending how many sheep are in the flock. But eventually, all that flock, all that sheep, will be in that different pasture. They will have all gone through that little fence, all because they just follow one another. Dear darling ladies, isn't that like us today? Many of us don't know. We're even living a humanistic lifestyle because that's what everybody's doing. That's what everyone does around us. That's what everybody's doing in the church. We just follow one another. We don't check out the word. Oh my, if we check out the word of God, sometimes we find, oops, help. I'm in a wrong field. I'm in a wrong pasture. I better get back to where I'm meant to be. And so let's be sheep who follow the shepherd closely to hear his voice. Let's not get too far away because then we'll be listening to the stranger and we'll get in the wrong pasture. We'll be following everyone else. Lord Jesus, we thank you so 
much for the way you teach us. Thank you for teaching us that you want us to be sheep. You don't want us to be goats. The goats don't belong to you. It's the sheep who belong to you. We want to be your sheep, your true sheep, who listen to your voice. We want our little lambs to grow up to be your sheep. We don't want them to be goats. We don't want them to be part of the goat company. We don't want to be part of the goat mothering company. Lord God, help us to be sheep mothers, tending to our flocks, never leaving them, always close, never earshot from our little lambs. Help us to be who you want us to be. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.